0: start them cold well actually usually we start them with some kind of dramatic music and like saying in the year 2024 four podcasters gathered together to read the Wikipedia article about movies that took place in 2024 and what the year may have for us in store 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 rhymes with four, four, four. <laughs>
1: Nice.
2: Wow. All right, let's try that again and see if uh, uh, how it goes.
0: <laughs>
2: a very helpful echo.
0: I can do the alien under too. <laughs> what other filters
3: you
1: got? Yeah, do the <laughs> RoboCop. <laughs> Our podcast, Michael
4: Winslow. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're back. We're back. Future. We're back
0: in a big way because 2023 had some scraps attached to it and i think in retrospect really foreshadowed the year that personally we were going to have
2: yeah a lot a lot of murdered cheerleaders a lot of
0: murdered cheerleaders like a surprising amount i was shocked
1: i don't know
2: about you guys but my movie fucking rolled i'm so happy i was in i was here for mine Yeah, I hated how
4: much I liked mine.
0: (laughs) I watched one of the worst movies ever made.
2: (laughs) I feel like this is a similar conversation to the one that you have when you see somebody like, you know, one of the people who works at the coffee shop or something. And you're like, hey, how was your holiday? Uh, And they're like, and they were like, um, mmm. I literally had to like uh, fist fight my friend's mom. Uh, how was yours? And you're like, ah, oh, it was nice. We didn't. Uh, we just chilled, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But I'm sorry to hear about yours. What I meant was, uh, uh, yes, I will. Uh, I will be your therapist. For yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can call Highlander 2 The quickening a deep fried turkey that burns down a house. Honestly, like um... <laughs> that's the best description for this movie. <laughs> so what
2: you're saying is it's deep.
0: Yep. <laughs> we, can, we can also double back and talk about 2024 movies and, you know, you know, again, this I feel like the list for this year was way more promising than the list for 2023 was. I thought we were – this time last year, I thought we were running out of movies that were like – going to be placed in the future where we were currently living. And I thought maybe that would be the end of it with cheer or die. And then this list was so promising that there I'm were like, go- no, so we're, never, we're never going to die. There were
2: two Underworlds. Did you watch both of them?
0: Nope, we watched
4: <laughs> Didn't watch either. of them. 2024, just as a, it's, it's a rounder number. It's a much more future sounding yeah Yeah, it feels futury. yeah something i'm sure when you were in the 90s 70s whatever 2024 felt like things are happening in that year 2023 is a that's a flyover. Yeah, year. It's a year. throwaway year. Yeah, like that's... it's right
0: before because 2025 is the most even because yeah. it's you know it, dividing up a decade. So you kind of want to see where things are teetering right before mid decade. Like what, what's gone wrong?
3: <laughs> I wonder what ones are in 20 are in store next year. But... <laughs>
0: There's some good ones. Like I don't do don't don't yeah don't spoil it.
4: it. You read ahead. Oh, you read ahead.
0: Because Ooh. we have to survive to 2025 <laughs> first, which point. is the theme. <laughs> for, of 2024. For 2024 survive until 2025
1: <laughs>
2: to be honest absolutely
0: it's it's great yeah this year was rough it was also good like we've talked about it a lot personally it was huge speaking. ups and downs huge ups and downs i'm i keep saying my mantra has just become i can't wait for the new year to come so that i can pretend that makes things better <laughs> well whose fault is that it's mine <laughs> it's my
2: fault repeat that. That's your mantra. It's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> just it's just bla- fault. blame yeah. yourself. It's not the system. 2024. <laughs> it's probably your fault. The system only exists because there are in fact cogs and you know.
0: <laughs> oh man. That, that's an, it's a wonderful life if actually life was better off without George Bailey. <laughs> it's like whoa. Oh look at that was gumming up the works a little bit. Now it's smooth.
3: (laughs) Wow. He comes back. Potter's Field is just condominiums that perfect white lawns yep. everything's great
0: yep yep utopian society <laughs> flying cars there's a newspaper that says crime down Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right the
4: martinis on every corner is franchised yeah, it's, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a restaurant chain we have got tchotchkes all over the wall <laughs>
3: look at all this kooky stuff <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs>
0: How, how is y'all's 2023? And, like, what were you hoping to glean from the movies that are set in 2024? My
2: 2023 was good. I mean, uh, I, you know, I feel bad. I feel like the, 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 the person who has asked. Uh, the same barista. Yeah, the same barista. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I live, we, I live a fairly charmed life. I, so I, I thought it was semi-charmed. You know, I, we've moved up. In the world, <laughs> to just regular it starts to be charmed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got we have a wood burning stove now, so like everything's okay. sweet. Oh
0: nice. yeah, you got that installed. Oh man. Oh.
2: We had to
3: burn Jamie's award for firewood.
0: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> In L.A. where they're like, please do not set fires.
2: <laughs> it was an act of rebellion.
4: <laughs> Cut to your kitchen, you're boiling an A.C.E. award. <laughs> Just like, oh, there's, there's some meat on this. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: lean boy he's a lean boy the meat's good quality Uh,
4: there is something great about as a like a freelance worker watching a a like wasteland apocalypse movie as i enter what is traditionally going to be the slowest period of work of the year yeah (laughs) it's like i'm i'm that's me i'm gonna just be a rifle over my shoulder uh, bag of cans on my back, walking from set to set. <laughs> like, you need AC, shooter AC. <laughs>
1: you need
4: shooter AC. We don't need any more ACs around here. Keep walking, stranger. <laughs> I, I hear they're making series. Over the mountaintop. <laughs> They're shooting holes. whole series. Casey,
2: Casey's walking set to set. It's not a rifle, though. It's like a fly cam system. <laughs> yeah. I've lost an arm
4: in some sort of post apocalyptic battle, and it's a steady cam arm now. Yeah. It's like coming out of
2: my shoulder.
1: <laughs> it's, it's not
2: post apocalyptic. It's a post production. But yes, it's a, it's a post something. Uh, who wants to start? Do we want to go in, a, in an order?
0: Yeah, do we want to go, like, chronologically
1: oh,
2: yeah.
0: when
1: Wait, the movie was
0: made? Or? I, mine
2: definitely was first, because I'm 1960. All right. A
5: crack Air Force test pilot flies the world's newest experimental plane faster than sound. Faster than time itself. Beyond the time barrier. Position 18, speed 10,000 plus. Position 20, airspeed increasing. I think something's wrong. 64 years into the terrifying future. A beautiful, horrible cave world you've never dreamed of. A beautiful girl, and love. Mankind was made sterile in a great cosmic plague. A new Adam and Eve are the only male and female left to repopulate the world. I value my freedom more than this. The jealousy of a she-devil frees the bloodthirsty killer slaves. Follow me, soldiers of revenge. I'll lead you to the captain, to food,
1: to freedom!
2: Beyond the Time Barrier, filmed back-to-back with the amazing transparent man in a combined schedule of only two weeks, released a month before MGM's version of The Time Machine, double build with The Angry Red Planet, a movie about a giant spider rat. Beyond the Time Barrier concerns an experimental jet plane that will go up into the atmosphere and, you know, almost into space. (laughs) Major William Allison goes up in the plane, but mid-flight, he you guessed it, goes beyond the time barrier (laughs) and lands in a post-apocalyptic hellscape where the ruins of his old airbase and nearby city are flanked by bleak matte paintings of fancy wine decanters' buildings featuring the Eye of Sauron, which finds Bill and knocks him the fuck out. He is brought into the new civilization called the Citadel, A West Elm jizz dream of minimalist clean lines, indoor plants, and triangle doors. Actually, the triangles are part and parcel, crate and barrel, if you will, with the whole aesthetic. Such to the point where we are treated to triangle wipes betwixt scenes. Yes, triangle wipes. Yes. Apart from the Wayfair throw-up design, all the dudes (laughs) wear jumpsuits and all the ladies wear skirts and they're all deaf-mute except for the supreme leader who's, like, striving for a Ricardo Maltabon but settles closer to, like, a straight-jacketed Cesar Romero type. (laughs) His chief of guns has a sweet surge tank in beard, so it's easy to see that he's not going to be a good guy.
1: Bill is rightfully
2: confused that when he left earlier that morning, everything was fine, and now he's in a strange new world where they're accusing him of being a scape spy, and they assign the Supreme's ESP-laden granddaughter to make sure that he's on the level. Of course... <laughs> It takes Bill quite a long time to figure out that he is in the year 2024 and not 1960, and that in the interim time, a plague of interstellar cosmic rays has killed off most of the population and turned those who did not die into mutants, some becoming bald zombie types, while the others are just sterile (laughs) deaf-mutes. There are a few others who have broken through beyond the time barrier. Throughout the years. One from 1973 and two from 1994. And they are simultaneously revered and feared. Uh, But let's just call them two scientists and a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants a piece of Bill's homegrown American do-goodery. The scientists and woman want to help him escape and send him back through the time barrier in reverse... You know, because that's how it goes. (laughs) While Supreme wants him to doink his daughter because she's the only one who's smiley enough that she may get pregnant, actually. And otherwise, everyone else is sterile. Or, you know, maybe just not good enough for his little Goyle. (laughs) Everywhere they go, Supreme and the military watch their every move on camera's positioned throughout the Citadel. At 75 minutes beyond the time barrier Lays the groundwork for at least a few seminal sci-fi pictures to come Not the least of which is A Boy and His Dog And Hell Comes to Frogtown Both of which amp up the explicit horniness only hinted at here It also borrows heavily from the time machine But synthesizes something closer to what Planet of the Apes will later Well, ape uh, (laughs) Though without the big reveal With a fittingly gray area ending, the fate of the future is not known in 1960, 2024, or really 2023, going into 2024. (laughs) So the crystal balls all seem to point to Outlook Hazy. Try again.
5: The last survivors of the human race are doomed to murder in a killer orgy by vicious subhuman mutants. Will you die 64 years from today? We challenge you to see the most terrifying picture ever made. See the picture of your life or death.
0: So were there Morlocks? Were they the bald people you mentioned?
2: Pretty much, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're They're closer to, like, uh, Last Man on Earth, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they're just, they're... Like if you if you took everybody in THX eleven thirty eight and roughed them up a bit and then threw them in a dungeon, they literally live in a dungeon for the entire movie and go like,
1: yeah,
2: and then they attack at the end of the movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cause they, cause they Sounds good.
2: Because they get released. Right. Yeah, That's pretty sweet. but yes, they are they are moving.
0: And by going reverse through the time barrier, does that mean that they had to? Um, r- go backward, walk backwards, and fly backwards through the time barrier, or...
2: Truly, truly, there is some a pseudo-fucking science. There is boardwalk <laughs> science going on uh, in this movie. Because, like, they talk about, like, uh you know if you go this fast basically there's a fifth dimension and it can transport you th- further in time in the 90s we're using that to jump from planet to planet which is pretty sweet i didn't know that we did that in the 90s but Good for us. the guy's like well that's a lot faster than my plane was going and they were like yeah, yeah but if you add to that the <laughs> implicit speed of which the earth turns also and like a perfect set of circumstances then it all works it was like and he was like that's weird and they're like yeah don't think about it and, <laughs> and they were just like okay well then we gotta put you back through and he's like so I'm gonna do it all in reverse and it's like right but but if Part of your reasoning was that he had he, he was being propelled by the turning of the earth, then him going the opposite yeah. way makes it, like, for sure not fast. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, like, no, no, it's okay, he just goes backwards. And they're like, all yeah. right,
0: cool. Like Superman. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes back to the
2: exact point in time that he needs to. Wow. Convenient. It's very good,
3: yeah. <laughs> I love convenient time travel.
2: It's almost like the movie was made in a week. <laughs> <laughs> In Texas, where they understand science, especially in the 60s.
4: <laughs> Damn 60s Texans.
0: Hey, that, but, that, but they might not understand time travel, but they understand space travel. Right? Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's
4: right. That's who you go to when you have a space pronounced, It's to. pronounced Houston, actually. Oh, not a lot of people I know was, that.
0: Mm, I was mistaken.
4: <laughs> so space is like way no-ho. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: That was the city slicker section of our podcast. That was <laughs> making jokes about Texans being dumb at science and then making a no-ho joke. Making yeah. a Manhattan-focused yeah. joke. That, we are officially city slickers. Yeah. Maybe even city slickers, too. The search for Curly. <laughs> <jokes>. <laughs> it's
1: the
0: only one I've seen. You've only seen the second one. I've only seen the second one. That's fine. they're the same loved movie it.
1: <laughs> i think that
2: i think that that is gonna be also the sum up of jamie's
4: uh, uh review of her what? Movie. <laughs> Greg,
1: no spoilers <laughs> uh
4: did you notice any uh parallels greg with our current modernity and their projected modernity
2: well um ecological horror sure a doomsday plague based on essentially eroding the atmosphere Chick. Supreme lording over the known world. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, a bleak, windowless, minimalist, white wall aesthetic. <laughs> the oh, populace yeah. all becoming mutants. <laughs> and the 70s and 90s coming back. Yeah, it sounds like 2024 to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, time travel.
4: Do we want it?
0: I mean... Uh-
4: <laughs> it That is...
3: That's a,
0: that's a deep question. I if mean, the TARDIS I'm shows asking. up
3: on my doorstep, I'm getting in. But TARDIS and DeLorean, those are the two the two, two com- ones I'm getting in. No other time
0: travel, because Josh wants to fuck his mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, this
1: has been a good podcast. And, yeah, jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good night. Uh,
4: I mean, it would it would effectively kill history as like an educational tool, right? Like, you couldn't learn history anymore. You could just... All of space-time would become Wikipedia. Editable by anyone.
1: Oh, my shit. That is the most
0: horrifying description of time travel I've ever heard. I hate it. (laughs) Think about, also,
2: think about your mind as we live in what we perceive as the present. Your mind just... Like, one of those, like, really smart kids doing a Rubik's Cube really quickly. Like, your brain is just getting new uh, memories all the time because people are just, like, going, are just constantly going back and, like, messing with it. So, you're just, like... Uh, at age six, seven, eight, I played baseball, uh, football, uh, soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your
4: you're just memories become an improv game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Say a different word. Mm, I want French prat potatoes. That's right, <laughs> Oprah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the greatest joke in 30 Rock history. <laughs>
5: Charles Champlin of the Los Angeles Times says, a coherent, alternate world. Kind of a funny nightmare recited as upcoming fact. It is an offbeat delight. KMET Radio, Los Angeles. Gripping, horrific, a bitter vision of tomorrow. Tightly controlled, compelling, bizarre, and witty. Time Magazine's Richard Schickel says, ironic, risks being absurd, yet compels respect for some witty writing and well-paced direction. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times says, wacky success, weird, offbeat. Unique, magnificently inspired. Richard Eder of the New York Times says, brilliantly grotesque. The Austin Sun. This may be the best science fiction film ever made. (laughs) A boy and his dog. A film that has become a cult legend.
2: Right now I'm hungry and I wanna get laid. That's what you always say. Hello, all you little ladies, fine
4: fellers, and subterranean dwellers, scraping it together out there in the barren waste of Radioland. I'm your humble host with the most—the most radiation-induced, cancerous boils, that is, Boyd Og Movie. And if you're hearing this, that means you're huddled around your radio just in time to play our favorite game: satire or misogyny. <laughs> You know the rules, I'm going to tell you a story, and all you have to do is tell me if it's misogynist or satire. The year is 2024, and after the nuclear fallout of World War IV, which was wishful thinking, I suppose. (laughs) 18-year-old Vic, played by Don Johnson, is scavenging through the wasteland of the former United States looking for food, but mostly a little bit of strange. With the help of his dog companion, Blood, who is a well-read but curmudgeonly old hound that can telepathically communicate with his boy, teaching Vic about history. World War II and World War Three and the presidents that come up. Apparently there's a whole bunch of Kennedys later in the second half of the 20th century. <laughs> Vic, a amoral and ethically simple young man born after World War IV searches for the food while blood sniffs out women. How one shudders to imagine for Vic to trigger warning, literally absolutely rape at gunpoint.
0: God. I'm glad we chose the movies we did, Casey.
4: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) When he comes across a, uh, and that was not a pun, scavengers (laughs) who have already ravaged a young woman, then killed her, he curses that she at least had two or three times left in her. But it's not just dreams of sexual assault that keep Vic and Blood going. No, they dream of a promised land known as Over the Hill where Vic believes there must be food and guns growing on trees and women to just just do anything. I, I can't over-express how much of this movie is them just being like, I've
2: got to fuck.
4: <laughs> Vic has a hard time getting through this world because he is what's known as a solo, just traveling the world alone with his dog and avoiding what's known as rover packs, groups that have formed together to do the same thing. Same exact thing. There's just... (laughs) Vic is able to slyly steal some cans of peaches and beets and all sorts of yummin' and scrummins, which he exchanges at a nearby shantytown to watch some old vintage pornos at an outdoor cinema when Blood, the dog, sniffs out a woman. Hiding amongst their ranks, which Vic tracks back to a bunker where a young woman named Quilla June has taken refuge. He then pulls the gun on her and attempts to do some no good, very bad stuff, but then suddenly overtaken by, what's this, feelings about a human person, <laughs> his hand is stayed for a moment when another rover pack discovers them, and Vic, using his rifle and telepathic dog, has to fight off the rovers. Perhaps grateful for the rescue, or perhaps with motivations of her own. Quilla June makes sexual advances upon Vic herself, and they repeatedly bone. It's just montage, montage of boning (laughs) with your dog in the room. The dog is watching. They don't kick the dog out. They just, they're fucking in front of their dog. (laughs) And, And the knowing glances, Jamie and Josh shoot to each other, say more than any words ever could. The next morning, Blood tries to convince Vic to leave Quilla June. Let's keep going to Over the Hill. But Vic is taken by these feelings. Perhaps he's done being a solo, and Quilla June can join them. But when Vic pokes his head back in, Quilla June smacks him with a flashlight, knocking him unconscious and leaving the boy and his dog there alone. But also with a card key to get into. You know what? I'm As I'm explaining this, I'm confused now. Quillajune leaves Vic a card key to get into the Down Under, a subterranean colony where Quillajune lives. Vic goes to the bunker's entrance and uses the key card to get inside. He sneaks through rooms of pipes before being attacked. He's thrown into a bath and scrubbed clean under the watchful eye of a bunch of people who look like they're in a sort of kabuki play version of Oklahoma. But it's not Oklahoma, it's in fact subterranean Kansas. This is the underground community known as Topeka Run, by a committee who decides the laws, who has transgressed, and who must be sent to quote the farm. What is the the farm? It's murder, (laughs) y'all. Down in Topeka, they're killing anybody who doesn't go along their way. But they've got some semblance of a community down there. they got marching bands. they got barbershop quartets. They've got long picnic benches filled with fruits. They're silly with fruits. And they've got a proposition for young Vic. After scrubbing him up and putting him in a nice pair of duds, they tell him that he was chosen as a breeding stud. Years underground have left the men of Topeka totally sterile, and they need Vic's magical, survivable semen to continue <laughs> populating their underground community. At first, Vic thinks this is, well, just dang great, until he finds <laughs> out that, that the plan to extract his semen through electro-ejaculation and artificial insemination, Vic is strapped to a table and milt. For his come.
1: <laughs>
4: Quilla June, however, has other plans for the community. She believes that she should be the head of the community, so she is leading a small rebellion. And by small, I mean it's about three minutes of the movie's runtime.
1: <laughs> Quilla
4: June releases Vic from his jerk-off dungeon and leads the young boy out from under the committee's grasp. But... They are pursued by Michael, a, at first glance, Lenny from Of Mice Of Men, just smiling, walking around, <laughs> squeezing the skulls to death of all the would-be revolutionaries. But no amount of shots from Vic's guns are bringing Michael down, until the one that does in fact bring Michael down, and set him to Sparky Ablaze. Turns out it was an android, y'all. Surprise, android. <laughs> Vic and Quilla June are able to escape the Down Under. Vic tries to find Blood, the dog, who had waited above ground, and he finds Blood attacked and torn up, nearly starving. He says he'll take Blood back to town and get him some food, but Blood tells him that the rover packs have already taken the town. He'll be killed upon sight. He says he'll take him to Over the Hill, the promised sanctuary utopia, but Blood says he's too weak and hungry to make that journey. Quilla June says Vic just leave we have to leave blood we have to leave him behind I love you we can go on together So Vic kills Quilla June and feeds her to blood so that blood has the energy to go on with their journeys the end
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> So I ask you dear listeners Is it satire or misogyny? (laughs) The truth is it was made in 1975, so the answer is, a both.
2: (laughs) After
5: World War IV, your dog will tell you what to do. How to laugh, how to love, how and who to kill. That stupid broad. (laughs) You're so funny when you're sexually frustrated. In the future your dog will tell you how to survive. Or you will die. A woman can't get pregnant every once in a while. We need new blood.
2: Horse manure. You mean you want me to knock up your broad?
5: L.Q. Jones, A Boy and His Dog. A film that has become a legend by word of mouth. Rated R.
2: It's definitely I I only I've only seen it I think once in college at a point when I had a very strong stomach for subversive movies, but it definitely mm. I remember it's trying to be very like puberty driven. Like it's like a movie where it's like it's about sexuality, it's about sexual politics in 1975. It's like about pushing the envelope and just doing weird shit because it it like wasn't allowable before that. But but yeah, in this way where it's like Clearly trying to make a point about misogyny while also making it titillating a little bit, like
1: yeah,
4: uh, it's
2: the it's the I mean this guy the guy who directed it, that wrote
4: the screenplay and directed it and produced it was this uh, actor named LQ Jones who very appropriately was like one of Sam Peckinpah's guys. Like he was just in so many Sam Peckinpah movies, and that like. That's Sam Peckinpah, right? Like, it's like, that's like, it's, that's what these sort of like mid 70s, like hardcore satire, like, or like exploitive violence satire or sexuality movies were. They're like, the point is, look how barbaric this is, and we're going to do that by like, pretty just flatly showing you barbaric things (laughs) and making our judgment of them pretty opaque.
0: Besides the tagline that says, an R-rated rather kinky tale of survival. (laughs) Yeah, it says that. (laughs) It says that.
4: I, I read an interview with that guy, LQ Jones, and he talked about how there was a sort of backlash against the misogyny of the story and there was a part of the interview as he goes like yeah this is the story of Vic and Vic's not a great guy like if this was the story of me in this situation I wouldn't do any of the things Vic does but it's not the story of me it's the story of this guy Vic who's born after the world ends and is just like pretty much just like an animal on the wasteland right yeah but then the rest of the interview is him telling stories of like dotty dames who came to screenings <laughs> We're <laughs> just like I didn't like this, and him being like, "Shut up!"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: like just these laughing stories of arguing with feminists over it. So who knows, man? <laughs> uh, Greg, it's so you watched this once in college, and what's funny is the one time you watched this in college. If I'm uh, uh, would have, if you truly only did watch it one time, would have been the when you and I met each other. That seems right. I remember. Um,
0: Boy and his Greg. Uh, yeah, I re- I, re- I
4: remember I w- on my on our dorm floor, my freshman year, sophomore year, I had a I was telling people I was developing a working theory of how zombie outbreaks begin, uh, and our mutual friend, I told. And he goes, you need to walk into that room. <laughs> there will be two guys, and they're watching some stupid batshit movie. And you just walk in there and tell them exactly what you told me. And I walked in and did explain my zombie theory. And it was you and Seth Applebaum. And you both Aww. looked at me and went, cool. You you want to watch this movie?
1: <laughs>
0: oh, that's beautiful. You know,
4: the the... Semen milking machine. That's not one you forget. So I know it was definitely a boy <laughs> in this dog.
0: That bonds you forever.
4: That bonds for life.
0: Wait, important question, KC. Yeah. Was Blood a good boy?
4: Oh, uh, Blood was not that great a boy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Would you cute boy? Would you cute? The boy? strength of the movie is that Don Johnson and that dog play very well together. <laughs> they are oh. they, a lot of good li- I mean the spoiler alert I su- I've already spoiled it. Is at the end when they do, it's y'all you got to see this movie. The ending <laughs> is such a is so great because it's just, it's like this moment like the dog's on the ground like I'm dying Vic and no one can hear by by the way no one can hear the dog except for Vic which they also just be like It's because we have a connection, right? Right, right. Vic is, like, worried about his dog. Quilla June, the woman, is like, we just got to leave him. Like, we need to get going. He's not going to survive if he doesn't get something to eat. And Don Johnson just kind of, like, looks down then like, looks at the woman and, like, looks down again. Then it fades out and it fades back up (laughs) on, like, a crackling fire with, like, the sound of, like, fat rendering over a fire. And then they're walking away, and Blood is just like, "Hey, thanks so much for doing that, Vic. That was <laughs> that was really great of you." And Vic goes like, "Yeah, I think I think she really did love me. Why did she have to choose me?" <laughs> and, and the final line is like, Blood goes, "Yeah, I mean, she just had really good judgment, if not for pretty bad taste." <laughs> and then laughs. And that's the, the end of the movie. <laughs> We just killed an Ada woman. Ha ha. End of the movie.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, boy. I can say so far I prefer uh, Greg's version of 2024 to Casey's version of 2024. <laughs> oh, I mean,
4: you do not come out great I, in this version. I don't Jamie. want that. <laughs> Unless you can find an underground community. The underground community seemingly was pretty. Uh, like, there's a woman on the, like,. Leadership committee.
0: Oh, great! Uh,
4: They're all getting Don Johnson. Come if they line up for it. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, there. You know, there's an opportunity, but not everywhere. Which is, you know, what? Maybe not exactly as is, but women. There's opportunities for you, but not everywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like today.
5: Greetings, Hyman. In all their centuries on Earth, nothing could have prepared them for The Quickening Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, Highlander 2 The Quickening
0: Ach me wee lads, lassies and daisies (laughs) Remember the iconic tagline to the 1986 film Highlander There can be only one well, apparently that did not apply to the movie itself, because here we are with the Highlander 2, the quickening. The year is 2024, and okay, I, I can't keep up this accent for this whole thing. I'm going to be honest, I've never seen the original Highlander, and I really yeah. thought being Scottish was going to be a big part of it. But it's actually not. Like, MacLeod doesn't even speak with a Scottish accent. He speaks with a completely made-up amalgamation accent to represent the fact that he's lived a hundred different lifetimes. This movie takes place in Scotland for literally two scenes. I mean, Sean Connery is Scottish, except for the fact that he isn't. He's playing a Spaniard with a Scottish accent. What part of that makes sense at all? Zero out of ten, I do not recommend watching Highlander 2 The Quickening if you haven't seen Highlander, because... Oh, man, you're going to be lost. And that's not even including the fact that there are three versions of this movie. And I apparently watched the version called The Renegade Cut, which was released in 1995. And you can't even really watch the original anymore. So I had to read an internet article detailing all of the differences between them and the lore they include or don't include. How do you even summarize that succinctly for a podcast? I really got in over my head when I was drawn to this movie because of my Scottish roots. Anyway, I guess I'll get back to the plot summary. So the year is 2024. Tis a dark future we are entering into, literally. Back in 1995, the sun threatened humanity because of our depleted ozone layer and many perished, including Connor McCloud's wife from the first movie, Brenda, who they didn't need to bring the original actress back for because she's covered in bandages and third-degree burn makeup. Her death inspires Connor to use the wisdom and wealth he gained from his victory in the Gathering to partner with his friend Alan Neiman to create a shield around the Earth that simultaneously protects humanity and plunges it into an eternity of Blade Runner ambience. (laughs) Decades later, Connor is an old man with a bafflingly raspy voice living out his days as the cursed savior of Earth. Most people despise him for altering the course of their lives, and the shield is under the control of the corrupt aptly named S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation, who profits from keeping the world in darkness. While watching an opera, Connor thinks back on a life you didn't see in the first Highlander movie, a life that upends all of the previously established lore. (laughs) Depending on the version you watch, Connor either comes from a very long time ago... Or is an alien from the planet (laughs) Zeist and he's either from a planet full of immortals or they only become immortals when they are sent to earth or they are also a mystery and an anomaly to their home. And he was either chosen by his mentor from the first movie who was actually a sorcerer of this place to become an immortal or he became bonded to him throughout time and space. But regardless, he was chosen to gain powers that would help the rebels of his planet slash past fight against the oppressive rule of the evil General Katana played Michael Ironsidedly by Michael Ironside. (laughs) This plan does not work out, and Ramirez and Connor are captured and sentenced to exile in different places and times on Earth, where they are wiped of their memories of each other and their homeland, cursed to fight all other immortals there through time. And when one of them is the last one standing, they will be given a choice to either live out their days as a mortal on Earth or return here with their crimes forgiven. I warned you, this wasn't an easy plot to summarize. <laughs> anyway, Connor is an old man now, and one would assume that that means he has chosen mortality and Earth over a return to Zeist, not Zeist. But according to live streams Katana and the other leaders are watching in the past slash space, he hasn't officially made his choice yet. I guess his deadline is his deathbed? Well, Katana doesn't want to risk it, so he sends two cyberpunk assassins atop green goblin gliders to Earth to try to <laughs> kill MacLeod. But if you come for the Highlander, you better not miss, because he easily decapitates Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and through their quickening, recovers his immortal youth and somehow resurrects Ramirez back in Scotland during a performance of Hamlet. Meanwhile, Virginia Madsen plays Louise Marcus, a terrorist and leader of an anti-shield organization who discovers that the ozone layer may have healed itself in the time since. She comes upon old Connor and chastises him for not doing more to help humanity in his old age. Then, when he quickly becomes young Connor, she changes her chastising to, Why aren't you kissing me right now? (laughs) That is truly their relationship. The movie basically ignores her terrorist storyline from then on out. She does provide the most succinct summary of the physics of the movie post-coitally, though, which I will transcribe here. Quote, You're mortal there, but you're immortal here. Until you killed all the guys from there who have come here, and then you're mortal here. Unless you go back there, or some more guys from there come here, in which case you become immortal here again. (laughs) Let's say it's a kind of magic, says Connor, and no further questions.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate get-out-of-jail
0: if you want something done right, says Michael Ironside out loud, and he sends himself to Earth Slash Future to try to kill Connor. Once here, he crashes a train, kills a bunch of people, and aligns himself with the head of the SHIELD organization, Dr. Cox from Scrubs! <laughs> Ramirez uses his earring to buy a rush order suit and a plane ticket to America and reunites with Connor. The three of them infiltrate a max prison to get information from a dying Alan Neiman that can lead them to an opening in the shield where they can see if the ozone has healed. But as they try to escape, Dr. Cox and Katana trap them in a room with a convenient sharp fan lowering on a collision course to decapitate our mortals. Ramirez sacrifices himself to help them escape via magic that's not really explained. I don't know, quickening. (laughs) Will we ever meet again? Asks Connor. Who knows, Highlander? Who knows? Says Sean Connery with a wink that says, depends on how much the studio pays me. How do I fly back to Scotland from an Argentina whose economy is failing? (laughs) He tells them that it will take two of them to take down the shield and magic's away into fairy dust. What more do you honestly need to know about a movie with a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes? (laughs) Connor and Louise discover there is indeed a healthy blue sky above the shield and go to shield headquarters to try to destroy Connor's mortals' life's work. Katana kills Dr. Cox and fights Connor. Obviously, Connor wins. He's the freaking Highlander. (laughs) I assumed in this moment the quickening from Katana would short-circuit the shield infrastructure, since that's something that has happened every time there's been a quickening, but nope, the shield's still going. Connor steps into the shield power source, and Louise cries out, Remember how Ramirez said it would take the two of them to take down the shield? That wasn't true, because Louise contributes practically (laughs) nothing. Connor survives the blast from the shield power. The shield comes down, and the Earth is treated to a night full of stars for the first time in decades. Depending on the version you watch, Connor either stays with Louise on a new Earth as a mortal, or goes back with her to his home planet where he is needed, a fate the movie equivalent of Poochie deserves.
1: (laughs) A
5: man from the past. Find McLeod and kill him is all that stands between life and death. There simply isn't enough energy on the planet to take down the shield without killing us all.
1: The world is dying, McLeod. The shield has to come down.
2: Let's have some fun.
5: <laughs> Just remember,
2: that quickly It sounds like magic. Well, it is kind of. JB, I know you why you wanted to watch this movie because you are also really into Mormon stuff. <laughs> this yeah. is basically that, right? I it's think. true. Yeah.
0: This is cobalt. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's their their anti-Taurus organization is called cobalt, and you got Colob, which is the planet in the Mor- I... Mormon fit. Yeah.
2: Mm. yeah. This is basically Dianetics.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. Crazy, Like, they literally also hang a lantern on it, because, like, he was just gonna die of old age, and Connor was like, you could have just not come back, and I would have died of old age, and I wouldn't have been a problem, but because katana sends people back that makes him immortal again because that reopens the well now there's not only one
3: okay
0: and there's so many different versions of this i can't believe in the original script there was a whole explanation that they're immortal on earth because they're going to be sent to a random time and place and they will age into the age they are now when they're exiled and then once they hit that age they are going to start time will act differently for them and one uh a hundred years on earth is one day back on Zeiss. So that's they're not actually immortal, they're just aging really, really slowly. Oh, it's Superman rules. Yeah. And then it's in clock this stoppers. Ver- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
2: clock and stoppers.
0: Yeah. And then in this version, the renegade version, there's just VO that's like, You guys are unholy immortals that we can't explain. I don't know. It's I I've I've never been More overwhelmed by a film.
3: (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) You you were overwhelmed by, like, six films. Yes!
0: It's so... And, like, I didn't realize... I assumed I was watching the original, and then I was, like, reading a side-by-side, just, like, comparison of what scenes, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm straight up watching the most recent version. But, like... It's wild, it's completely different from the lore of the first movie. I can't get over like <laughs> people must have been pissed. What do you mean they were aliens the whole time? That's, that's about, crazy That's about yeah.
3: all I knew about it was that th- and i i I saw the first one like a long time ago, and I just knew that. The second one retconned everything to be (laughs) I don't know
2: aliens, and then they retconned it back after that. They were like, "Never mind, fuck that." I didn't
0: realize that
3: part. I thought it was still just aliens, but I guess we just all know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, they retconned it back, and then the third movie is a prequel to this movie. It's just like another chapter in the Highlander story. And then the fourth, and then in between the third movie and the fourth movie, they started the Highlander TV series, and this guy guest starred in the Pilot there was a Highlander yes. show? Yes, and the Oh, that's how I know it. Yeah, he guest starred in the Pilot basically like passing the the torch off to this new guy who's also a McLeod. Like, I guess they're in the same clan slash family somehow. Um, And he's like, okay, you're the Highlander of this TV series. And then the fourth movie brings them both together. It's called Highlander Endgame or something. And this is like, they work together to uh, kill another there can be only one. I don't know. Who is this for? (laughs) Who? What?
2: (laughs) I love that Highlander was such a surprise hit that they forevermore have no idea what to do with it. They go, yeah. "Oh, shit." Yeah. They
4: yeah. use that this is it's 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 such a good uh speculative future because it's how they did to the Highlander story what in the post-apocalyptic wasteland you need to do with like rainwater. They just Every last possible drop of Highlander they
1: could. Yeah,
0: out of it. Like It's such a left turn that it's kind of like James Cameron had had the massive surprise success of Titanic. And then Avatar was like a sequel to Titanic. Like if he had written it like that. And they're like, actually, uh, they're Jack really is from this planet uh, called the Navi. <laughs> and when he died in the ocean, his consciousness got sent back up to his avatar. Oh my and, god. <laughs> Titanic, the way of water. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's basically its equivalent. I'm it's
4: Or what? like in the a third Titanic movie where the boat and the iceberg need to team up. <laughs> 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 I uh I I remember when we were discussing what movies to do <laughs> so we didn't have a cheer or die situation again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, Never you forget. said I'll when we were go you and I were going back between Highlander two and the boy and his dog. And I said, I'd take a boy and his dog. You said, okay, that's great. I can't wait to... uh... like watch a movie of my people and in my head. I was like, oh, poor, poor James. <laughs> I, I oh, thought no. that
2: that was a joke. No. I thought you knew even a little bit what you were getting into.
0: I thought there was way more Scottish in I'm like, why is Sean Connery in this movie? Why is he Spanish? His, I completely forgot that he was Spanish. His full name <laughs>
4: Juan Villalobos Ramirez or something yes, like that. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's yeah. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. The most spanish <laughs> Juan name. Sanchez
4: Villalobos <laughs> Ramirez.
0: <laughs> Ramirez.
4: Like, <Hola>. oh. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. If only Christopher Lambert had more juice when Highlander I know, was made. He's... I mean, look, he had enough juice to be cast as a Scottish person apart from Sean Conner like that's yeah, insane yeah. the casting there in the original and I, I've only ever seen the first Highlander and just thinking of you've cast a movie set much of the first one Jamie should you go back is in medieval Scotland
0: great great <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Not a
4: lot of it, but enough of it to be like, like Christopher Lambert walking across the Scottish Highlands and uh, and being like, "Oh hi, Mark!" to just like everyone <laughs> who passes.
0: Accent, his accent's crazy. I
4: wish he had like Gal Gadot level juice. So that they could, they're just, they in the movie had to be like, all right, this is what we say Scottish people sound like. Yeah. <laughs> so that it's consistent.
0: Yeah, it's Because cr- like his accent is this just like, it's mostly German. I'm going to be honest. Where he's like, I don't know if you know what the Highlander is. Like, what? Uh. But then when he's old Connor, like he, I read that he was trying to do his best Orson Welles. What? And like, so the first 15 minutes of this movie is him being like, I have so many regrets of my life, and then like sees Louise on a ta- on a on a He's like, ah, "That's a pretty girl." What?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love Christopher Lambert. I like love when I see him in things. It's not often, but no. I love <laughs> when I see him in things. And then to put him next to Sean Connery yes. and be like, "That is not what Scottish sounds like." <laughs> a literal a man a bagpipe. Like, they just yeah. cast him opposite <laughs> a bagpipe. bagpipe. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: in the same way, they do the same thing with him in Mortal Kombat, where they're like, here, <laughs> we have an actual Chinese person playing Liu Kang. And mm. of course, the person most likely to be best friends with him, Christopher Lambert, wearing a rice picker hat. You're like, well, that's a yeah. really strange oh, combination is, yeah. of things. And which which in some ways is a little like feels like they're like any time somebody has electricity powers, it has to be Christopher Lambert. Like, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) He just looks so good. Like being lifted by lightning bolts. (laughs)
2: It, It is true, though, that like Christopher Lambert's entire career is Highlander. Like, is is thanks to Highlander. Has no...
0: Like, good for him. Like... <laughs> no, that... It,
2: again, it seems like Highlander, the first one, is such an unbelievable surprise hit. Like, they were like, yeah, we got, like, a good $2 million movie. It's, you know, it'll go to video. It'll be a good red turn. And then it just, like, blows the fuck up and they have no idea what to do with it. Until the series, which in some ways is, like, the best use of... Because they basically just, like the series is how i got into it um and it's
4: is it like a different immortal monster of the week deal
2: it's well it's kind of but also it's like it's it's original series star trek in that respect with uh like quantum leap and uh, and macgyver like, it's, Ooh, it's sort okay. of, like, that's kind of, like, a good cross-section. And Adrian Paul is pretty good at it, and it's, like, they just, you know, he rides horses sometimes, and they <laughs> fight each other, and they, but it's just a good use of the lore because it's a longer format, and so the idea of him mm, being, yeah. like, I live forever kind of makes sense when you're dealing with, like, watching someone's long-term life and you can kind of go back and forth and you can do... There's so much lore going on and it is... I mean, it is amazing that they just like... We had so much great lore in this first one. Let us fuck it all the way up.
0: Yeah, it's... It's mini-chlorians levels of revisionist lore. (laughs)
2: Like,
0: what are you... Why? Why did you take something so good and... Or, you know, so good for what it was and... simple. Something simple. (laughs) simple. Yeah, a simple... And then they just reduce it back to uh, it's magic. Uh, Don't question it. Uh. Because
4: they leaned in on what was really the successful part of the whole series, which is Christopher Lambert saying the word (laughs) immortal. Immortals, immortals.
5: On the thirteenth floor of a corporate tower, a team of scientists have created a portal to a simulated universe. Now, after six years of testing. They are about to cross the boundaries of reality.
3: As a cyberpunk junkie, I got very excited by the poster for the 13th floor. A silhouette walking away from a car into a wireframe landscape. Yeah, that is very much my jam. Now, the premise of the 13th floor might seem familiar if you've read or watched any science fiction for the last 30 years. The Matrix, Dark City, Existenza, 13th floor all share the similar DNA of the simulation hypothesis. But the 13th floor actually draws its roots back to a 1964 novel with the arguably more apt but less cool sounding title of Simulacron 3. (laughs) It may not be cyberpunk in the strictest sense, but only because it predates cyberpunk. So let's get into it. The year is not 2024. (gasps) The year is 1937. (gasps) Hannon Fuller pens a letter to his colleague, warning of a horrible secret and how he fears he will soon be silenced for it. He goes to a swanky nightclub and hands it off to a suave young Vincent D'Onofrio who's tending bar. He tells him to keep it safe until a man named Douglas Hall comes looking for it. But, of course, D'Onofrio can't help sneaking a little peek. Fuller returns home to his wife in bed, his eyes go all stargatey, and he wakes up surrounded by lasers and computers. The year is still not 2024. The year is 1999. Hannon Fuller was just jacked into a simulation that he created, which lives inside a mainframe on the titular 13th floor of a Los Angeles skyscraper. Fuller goes to a CD bar to make a phone call to his friend Douglas Hall. His call is cut off when he's lured outside and murdered by an unseen figure. The next morning, Douglas Hall wakes up in the house on Haunted Hill with no memory of the last night and blood on his shirt, which is not weird at all or cause for alarm. He gets called down to the police station to identify Fuller's body. The detective, played by Mr. Allstate himself, Dennis Haysbert, <laughs> insists on following Hall back to Fuller's fancy L.A. skyscraper apartment. There they run into Jane Fuller, who claims to be the deceased's daughter. But Hall's never heard of her. Hall goes to the titular 13th floor, where we meet a long-haired, non-bartending D'Onofrio. Hall needs his help to jack into the simulation to find the message Fuller left for him. See, it turns out that to enter the simulation, you have to download into your counterpart in the simulation. Bookmark that one for later. And Hall's counterpart is a bank teller with a Walt Disney mustache. Uh, D'Onofrio pulls up a list of every NPC that Fuller interacted with uh, while he was in there, and Hall jacks in to chase the trail of clues, which leads him to the Wilshire Hotel, where the D'Onofrio's counterpart is bartending. But he claims not to have ever gotten the letter from Fuller. Back in 1999, everyone thinks Hall killed Fuller just because of his whole lack of an alibi thing, but Jane Fuller bails him out. Paul jacks back into 1937 in the midst of a Lindy Hop contest. He totally bails on his partner to go talk to Fuller's counterpart. They both end up back at the Wilshire. Uh, Diginofrio pulls a gun on Hall and confesses that he read the letter. He says the letter told him to drive as far away as he could, and that when he did, he saw something that, quote, scared him to his depths, which seems to have driven him to murderous madness. Hall and Diginofrio get into a fist fight at the hotel pool where Hall almost gets drowned, but Hall gets woken up by the other Nofrio. <laughs> Detective Allstate tells Hall that Jane Fuller doesn't exist. Uh, Hall bribes a limo driver and tracks Jane down to a grocery store where she's working the checkout counter and she doesn't recognize him. Hall puts the pieces together and decides to drive out of Los Angeles as far as he can to the very edge of the universe, which looks like the same green wireframe that every early 2000s sci-fi seems to have because they were easy to render. Hall gets a call from Jane. They meet back up at the skyscraper. She tells him that she's from the real world, that there are thousands of simulated worlds, but his is the only one to have created a simulation within a simulation. They couldn't have that. So after Fuller's death, she entered the virtual nineties LA to gain control of the company and shut down the virtual 1937 to add insult to injury. She tells him not only has his entire life been a digital lie, but Also, he's the digital counterpart of her husband, David. And the cherry on top of that shit Sunday, David has been using Hall's body to commit murders to fulfill some sort of dark fantasy in the virtual sandbox of 90s LA, including killing Fuller. Meanwhile, D'Onofrio jacks into 1937 for some reason. His counterpart is in the middle of driving to dispose of Hall's counterpart's body, who is gagged and stowed in the trunk. D'Onofrio gets killed, and D'Onofrio wakes up in his body in 1999. is all ready to kill Hall, but Hall tells him, "'Sorry, bub, this is a simulation too.'" Diginofrio De demands to be taken to where he was born. In the elevator to the titular 13th floor, Hall's eyes go all stargatey as David jacks in from the world above. David kills Digenofrio and is about to kill Jane, but Detective Allstate saves the day by shooting him first. Allstate seems to have learned the nature of the universe and tells Jane that when she gets back to wherever she comes from, to just leave them all the hell alone. <laughs> Douglas Hall wakes up in a strange bedroom with a glowing headband on, and now the year is 2024. With David having died in the simulation, Hall has taken his place in the, quote, real world, question mark? And now he gets to live happily ever after with Jane and her father, the very alive Fuller. So, listener, take this advice with you into 2024. If you do learn that we're living in a simulation, just keep it to yourself, okay?
5: <laughs> so the whole thing's what? Uh, giant computer game? And nothing so mundane, man. <laughs> When my mind is jacked in and I'm walking around experiencing 1937, my body stays here and kind of holds the consciousness of the program link unit. They thought they could maintain control.
0: You can't just keep plugging your brain into this machine and not expect to be identified.
5: But once they opened the door, Ah! the experiment turned on them. You think one of them units? Crawled up the extension cord and killed this maker.
1: And why didn't they kill you?
5: Maybe they will. The 13th floor. You can go there, even though it doesn't exist.
1: Hey, what'd
2: you do to the world? Turned it off. I will tell you I have no idea what you just said.
1: Yeah, my brain. Yeah, hurts. I, I I got
4: stuck on jacking into 1930 whatever. Oh, I
3: wish we still <laughs> used the phrase jacking into. Yeah. Do <laughs> you? I said it like eight. Yeah, I do. I said it like eight <laughs> times last night to Jamie
2: while I was watching the movie. Finish
0: the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're
2: not allowed to say that on air anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. No,
3: it's so simple. He's in a simulation of 1999. They created a simulation of 1937. And in 2024 is when everything happened. But also apparently learning that your life is a simulation just drives you to murderous insanity. So if anyone does find out that this is a simulation, uh, try not to murder anyone. So
0: Vincent D'Onofrio doesn't have a counterpart in 2024. If he does, you know we don't know about it. Okay, okay. And 1999, good guy. 2024, bad guy. So okay for 2024 to die and 1999 exactly. to take over 2024. But they look exactly the same. They
3: look exactly the same because your counterpart has to look the same. That part's never really explained.
0: Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. That, cool, seems, cool. Like,
2: that seems like movie. That, just yeah. seems, that seems like movie
3: yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's just movie logic. Yeah. It, it it also they do a good job with the 1937 LA like it looks pretty decent and they hang a lantern on it which I loved because everything that takes place in 1937 is a little more desaturated which actually looks pretty cool and then when when Douglas Hall wakes up the, from the first time that he jacks in there like when he wakes up in 1999 <laughs> I know right I'm, I'm just gonna keep saying it uh once you I, usually, it, I usually
1: I
4: cool. usually fall asleep after I jack in <laughs>
3: he wakes up and Vincent D'Onofrio in in 99 asks him like oh how was it huh oh, uh and the guy says oh it was great the colors need a little bit of work <laughs> which was
1: incredible fun. that's great that's fun
0: it was like the most 1999 looking movie oh I've, extremely like, I'm, I, I looked i'm like what year was this 1999 yeah that yeah. checks out
3: <laughs> and it came out like a month before or after the matrix
0: oh no rough for them yeah like, rough uh, do you have to have read Simulacrum 1 and 2 in order to understand <laughs> Simulacrum 3? Yeah. <laughs> well, Simulacrum
3: 2, they just wash everything away by saying oh. that it's all alien. <laughs> and there's like eight copies of the book, so you know you don't know which one you're going to read. Simulacrum 3 seems to have been one of the very first like instances of virtual reality as like a concept of simulation. Mm. But in the book, it's like they make it to count censuses, which I think is hilarious <laughs> to like they use it as like a simulation for voting systems, which is bizarre,
2: so it's second life it's like yes. we, we let 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 let's make virtual reality for boring shit,
3: yeah and but let's let them live their own lives
4: i mean, there is something I suppose accurate about like. It's 2024, and we're trying to live in the late 90s again.
1: Yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's 2024,
4: and maybe this
3: is a simulation? Like, we constantly
4: ask ourselves
3: that. I feel like every six months, we come back around to, wait, wait, guys, but
2: really,
4: is this a simulation? Because it feels... <laughs> right, impossible. but the, like with the philosophical, like, underpinnings of, like, simulation theory, the, the idea at the end of it is... It, it it's it's a simulation so sophisticated it doesn't matter right yeah, yeah. and this movie sounds like it did not matter this movie <laughs> this movie sounds like it did not matter whatsoever <laughs>
1: yeah
4: <And> I, <laughs> I, it, I wait won't. sorry I, at the end did you say they just wake up and they're like all right I guess that that was the movie
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so basically
0: like but 2024 geez. looks good right 2024
3: is great crime is at an all time low so it la says is like newspaper. yeah la is like all waterfront but like nice water front not like destroyed waterfront okay. like nice tall skyscrapers everything's great in that version no pollution it
0: looks great so like 2024 a is plus dope.
3: just looks great
0: but we we're trying to recapture the nostalgia of the 90s despite our life being so perfect
3: with virtual reality headsets which does sound extremely 2024
0: yeah <laughs> wouldn't
4: it be great if 2024 was a time where you could pick up a newspaper <laughs> I mean, I guess in general, but it just pick up, <laughs> pick up a newspaper and it says something like with an exclamation point, like crime at all time low or even crime at all time high. Just like information and not like the headline isn't something trying to make like force Joe Biden's name and Hamas into one word or <laughs>
3: something. <laughs> <laughs> we do live in a simulation. Joe jo
2: crimed in in uh, all time. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. <High. Moss. laughs>
0: Hi, Moss. Yeah, yours wins. That,
3: that's yeah, that's
0: the 2024. 20- You've four, the right? best,
4: best
3: 2024.
0: Apart from
3: going murderously insane if you actually learn the truth. Everyone's just living their lives in both simulations in '99 and in
0: '37.
3: Uh, and it turns out there's thousands of simulations.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, because not everyone's interested in going back to 1999 or 1937. Like
4: that's true. That, that, I guess those are not the only times in <laughs> that people want to go. Where would you guys, if you could simulate another time? I guess that's the same question as when I asked if you'd time travel. <laughs>
0: no, but this is different. This is different because it's well, not impacting So It's not actually so it's, going. So, yeah, it's yeah, not impacting it's the timeline, so it's safe. Uh, we've said this multiple times. The one thing we would want to time travel to that would have not a big impact on things, and even less so if it's... if it's um. Simulation. A simulation is the opening of Disney California Adventure back when it was a really shitty California Moor based theme park with really yes. bad rides. I want to see it. I want to so do it bad. so bad.
2: You guys are so <laughs> yourselves, it's unbelievable. <laughs> 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 I just want to ride Superstar Limo. Superstar I want to ride
1: Superstar Limo. Yeah. limo. You Ugh.
2: could not write a better version of what you guys would say.
0: <laughs> so does that mean we are definitely living in a simulation or definitely not living in a simulation?
4: <laughs> oh, boy. Yes, it means the computer's working. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'd want to simulate. Part of me like it wants to say dinosaurs, mm. but I, I don't know. I think at a certain point it would be like, I old. get bored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like going on uh, just a safari, basically. You're like, oh, cool. Ooh. All right, let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> let's jack out. But
3: you don't even have the option of... of like using
4: indoor toilets.
0: No, oh, no. In... So it really is oh, just t- taking an, an that's hour the long. Perks.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: But would I have to go back into a dinosaur that looks like me? <laughs> 'Cause then it's worth it. I, I, according to according
1: to the
3: laws of
2: the thirteenth floor. Yeah. It would, be, it would be crazy to go back to like like Black Friday though. <laughs> For the deals to get, to get some shopping done. <laughs> like you or like or like you go back the day before and start talking to people and you're like, So how do you guys feeling?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, what do you think? I
2: think I want to take a bunch of
4: MDMA and then go back into that village that, like, a bunch of people died of the dancing plague. Uh I just want (laughs) to fucking go off. (laughs) Just me and a bunch of. (laughs) Just me with glow sticks as some villagers are just, like, puking, like, blood coming out of their eyes. (laughs) That's what I want.
3: It's the Dancing Plague.
4: (laughs) Feel the beat on your skin (laughs) lesions. You
1: can dance. You can die.
4: In fact, you absolutely will die.
1: (laughs) Simple Equations. Podcast Network.